Hi there, and welcome to the media ministry of River Bible Church. I'm Pastor Dustin Daniels, inviting you to visit our website to download today's sermon notes. You can sign up for our newsletter and also submit a prayer request. We would love to pray for you and answer any questions that you may have. For more information, visit riverbible.org. Now let's open up the Word of God together for today's message. All right, let's dive into God's Word here. We're in Matthew chapter 6 today, looking at verses 16 through 18. Um, If you're new with us this morning, welcome. My name's Dustin, and uh, so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. That's our gift to you. We want you to make sure that you take that home. Um, As you turn to Matthew chapter 6, let me review. We continue our verse-by-verse study of Matthew's gospel this morning, and we're in the section... Um, of Matthew's gospel called the Sermon on the Mounts. And uh, this sermon is, is by far the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever. And that is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, for the past several weeks, Jesus has taught us what prayer is and what it is not. And last Sunday, Jesus taught us about temptation. We learned about a, a crucial Greek word last week, Parosmos, temptation is parosmos in Greek, and we, we learn that parosmos is a fascinating word because it's a neutral word, meaning, and this was key point number one from last week, that parosmos, this idea of biblical temptation, it is, it's either used as a testing for good or a temptation for evil. And we don't know which one it is until we either pass the test or fail the temptation. That's why it's a fascinating word. Key point number two, we have to endure the temptation to pass the test. We have to endure the temptation to pass the test. That's how we build spiritual muscle in our Christian life, isn't it? We talked about how key point number three, that pleasure is the reason that sin is uncontrollable. If, if sin was not pleasurable, we wouldn't sin. And one of the, one of the battles that we have is, to, is try to control that pleasure. And yet it is uncontrollable apart from the grace of God. So that's a brief review of our study of temptation within the Lord's Prayer. Um, and today it appears that Jesus abruptly changes the subject in his sermon. He makes the transition from prayer, from the Lord's Prayer in the fasting, fasting, this idea of of abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. But many of us already know that prayer and fasting, those are are two sides of the same coin. Um, So fasting really is an, it's an effortless transition here from the subject of, of the Lord's prayer. Now, I do realize that many of us may want to tune out today because fasting is just a subject matter that we have little to no interest in. We're already thinking about lunch, aren't we? (laughs) But, you know, today it seems that fasting is is seen as some type of mortification to our bodies. Um, And if we do fast, it's mainly because of vanity. You know, I got to lose 20 pounds, so I'm going to start skipping some meals here. 
Um, however, as Christians, it's not wise for us to ignore or disregard a spiritual discipline in our lives, no matter what the spiritual discipline is. You know, um, we've, we've got a lot to learn today from Jesus' words on fasting. So the big picture is that fasting simplifies our lives so that we can clearly focus on our spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus. And although biblical speaking, fasting generally refers to denying ourselves with food for a short period of time, there are many other things in our lives that we can deny ourselves of for the sole purpose of maturing in Christ and once again, building that spiritual muscle. So we're going to take a look at those things as well. Uh, if you would now, please stand for the reading and the honoring of God's word. Just as we lifted our voices to sing those songs to the Lord, let's lift our voices together now as we read the scriptures. Uh, the, the scriptures are on the, uh, on the screens for you. Starting in verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Dear friends, these are the very words from the, in, the inerrant and the inspired and the infallible word of almighty God. Please pray with me. Father, the psalmist writes, I have sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. Lord, we do pray that this morning as we open up your word and you teach us about fasting, a discipline that we may or may not consider in our lives. We pray that you would meet us where we are today. And, and when we pray that we wouldn't wander from your commands, we mean all of them. So Lord, teach us what it looks like to deprive ourselves something in order to walk more closely with you today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a seat, guys. Thank you. All right, let's take a deeper look here at verse 16. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Nestia is fast, or the verb, uh, the verb in the Greek is nestevo. It means you're not going to eat. It means we're going to abstain from food. And whenever we, we read about genuine fasting in Scripture, we're going to see that it's always linked with prayer. So right away here, key point number one. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast biblically without praying. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast biblically without praying. So fasting is a physical response to a supernatural conversation with God. During the Old Testament times, many, many people fasted. Moses fasted, Samson, Samuel, Hannah King David, the prophets Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah fasted, Esther, 
Daniel, many, many others, and, and they fasted for different reasons. People fasted because of their sin. They fasted because somebody was sick or ill. They fasted because they were defeated in battle. They, they fasted because of some type of grief or loss or suffering that they or, or somebody that they loved um, was going through. Nehemiah fasted when he heard bad news. People fasted with a, a supernatural plague because of a supernatural plague. People fasted because their lives were threatened. So those are all legitimate and biblical reasons to fast. However, in the Old Testament, the Lord only commanded one particular fast that took place once a year. And that fast is connected with the Day of Atonement. Atonement means the, or atonement is the means of reconciliation between God and his people. When you think of atonement, think of at one. God brings us at one. So God, he, he reconciles, he reunites, he restores the relationship between God and his people in a very specific way. Uh, there is only one way to have this kind of restoration with God, and that is through a blood sacrifice. The Day of Atonement is when Israel cleansed the sanctuary of all the impurities they dealt with their sin through the sacrifice of animals. Let's take a look at this in Leviticus chapter 16. On the 10th day of the appointed month in early autumn, you must deny yourselves. Neither native-born Israelites nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. And on that day, offerings of purification will be made for you, and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all of your sins. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you. And once again, you must deny yourselves. This is a permanent law for you. Now, in future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to serve as a high priest in place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priest, and the entire congregation. Once again, this is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord each year. So the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, that was a national fast involving every man, every woman, and child in Israel. Within the New Testament, we see the fasting of Anna, John the Baptist, his disciples, Jesus, obviously, he fasted, the Apostle Paul, numerous others. However, by Jesus' time in the first century, though, fasting had become a ritual that consisted of two things, primarily. First, it was a means to try to gain favor with God. So people pray, you know, God, if I fast for you, you know, will you do this or will you do that for me? And secondly, it was a way to show others just how spiritual they, they were. And as we've learned through the, the Sermon on the Mount here, fasting was similar to praying and, and giving, uh, giving to the poor with all the, all the showy forms of both of those things. It did become a religious show for the Pharisees. And we see this in verse 16. 
Jesus says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy. Don't be gloomy like those hypocrites. In other words, don't look sad. Don't make it obvious that you're fasting. Jesus had no problem calling the Pharisees out. He, he called them hypocrites just as he did before. A hypocrite is someone who wears a mask. Uh, think of, of the theater. A hypocrite is, is someone performing on stage. So verse 16, this is an excellent example of when I say God hates religion. This is precisely the kind of verse that I'm talking about. Because religion in the sense that we're trying to earn favor from God based on something that I'm doing, on, on some kind of good deed. And that's precisely what the Pharisees were doing here. They weren't fasting. They weren't praying. These guys were performing. That's what they were doing. Pharisees fasted each Monday and Thursday. They did so in a way that, that people knew they were fasting. Their purpose was to impress others. Pharisees fasted on those days because they believed, and they said, really, that they were, those were the days that Moses uh, made the two separate trips to receive the Ten Commandments from, from God on, on Mount Sinai. But those two days just also happened to be the busiest shopping days within the Jewish markets. Wow. So in other words, these two days just happened to have the largest audiences for everyone to see the Pharisees' piety. What a coincidence. Jesus calls them hypocrites because they, what they would do is they would dress up. They would wear old clothes. They would mess up their hair. They would uh, cover themselves with dirt and ashes. Some even went so far to use makeup to look sick. And people still do this today in other belief systems as well. There's a story about a, a so-called holy man in a far eastern city. And as a sign of great humility, what he did every day is he covered himself with dirt and ashes. And he positioned himself on the most prominent street corner um, in the city where everybody could see him. And as the story goes, when a tourist would come up to him and ask for a picture, he would take his ashes in the dirt and rearrange them on his face to give the best picture of his humility and his sacrifice for God. One commentator says this, a great deal of religion amounts to nothing more than just rearranging religious ashes to impress the world with one's supposed humility and devotion. The problem, of course, is that this humility is a sham and the devotion is to self. It's not to God. And that brings us to key point number two. Fasting has no lasting spiritual benefit if your heart is not entirely devoted to God. Fasting has no lasting spiritual benefit if your heart is not entirely devoted to God. So let's learn what God has to say about fasting. He tells us about fasting in Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 1. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Trumpets are loud, so God wants us to pay attention here. He says, shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. And yet, they, they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they just seem delighted to learn about me. 
they act like a, a, a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, and they pretend that they want to be near me. We have fasted before you all day, they said. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very, very hard on ourselves, God. And you, you don't even notice it. I'll tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You got to humble yourselves. All you're doing is you're going through the motions of penance. You're bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You, you dress in burlap and you cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you guys call fasting? Do you really think that this is going to please the Lord? No, 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 no. This is the kind of fasting that I want. I want you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned. I want you to lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Oh boy. <laughs> Lord, forgive us for hiding. Verse 8, then he says, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. So the Israelites were clearly upset that God wasn't answering their prayers. However, God does answer prayers when we're not trying to manipulate him through our praying, right? Through our fasting and through our so-called good deeds. And we see this in, in Jonah, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He says, all right, Jonah, get up, go to that great city of Nineveh, deliver the message that I have given to you. And this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. He went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. He said, 40 days from now. Nineveh will be destroyed. Then the people of Nineveh, they believed God. And look at this. They proclaimed a fast and they dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. So sackcloth is this rough cloth. It's made from animal hair, usually of a goat or a camel, uh, similar to a burlap bag. Very, very uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. Um, People would wear this type of, of cloth to express repentance and lamentation and mourning. And verse 6, when word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne. I love this. He took off his royal robe. Very, very comfortable. And then he covered himself with sackcloth. He covered himself with a burlap bag. And he sat in ashes as well. And then he issued a decree, so a law in Nineveh, and he says this, by order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, 
No herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth. And everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent, and he may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. And God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil and their evil ways. So what did God do? He relents from the disaster that he had threatened them with. He did not do it. So yeah, God rewards people who come before him with a soft, penitent heart. Now, does God reward those who put on a show with their fasting? Verse 16, let's find out. He says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like those hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they've got their reward. So as with the showy prayer that we learned about weeks ago, giving to the poor, making that a spectacle as well, there is no reward from God because other people have applauded these Pharisees. They, they look at him and they go, oh, man, you, you are something else. You are just so holy and you look so righteous. Congratulate, man, I wish I could be like you. Good, good job. That's all they get. That's what God's saying. They get that and it's done and it's over with. And then in verse 17, Jesus says, but when you fast, when you fast, as a disciple, as a Christian, put oil on your head and wash your face. He assumes, Jesus assumes here that his disciples will fast, just as he assumes that we're going to give to the poor back in verse 2, and we're also going to pray in verse 5. So please note here that Jesus' statement, it reveals that fasting is a normal, it is acceptable in the Christian life, just as it was in the first century, and it is today. Now, how do we know that it is appropriate to fast today? Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 9. John's disciples, so this is John the baptizer. John's disciples came to Jesus and they said, Hey, why do we fast? And why are the Pharisees fasting? But your disciples don't fast. Why is everybody else fasting but you? And Jesus said, Well... Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? Well, of course not. Weddings are, they're not a place to be sad. Weddings are a place to party. Weddings are a time of celebration. It's a time of feasting. And then Jesus continues in verse 15. He says, the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. And then, then they will fast. So Jesus assumes here that we, in our time and in our culture, we're going to fast. We're going to fast on certain occasions for specific reasons, because Jesus is not physically with us. Jesus does not command or specify a particular time, place, or method, however. Back to verse 17, he says, When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others. But to your father who is in secret, this is putting oil on your head and, and washing your face. This is Jesus' way of saying, hey, you got to take a shower. 
You know, don't let everybody know that you're fasting. You got to look normal. Don't draw attention to yourself by showing everyone how spiritual you are. And verse 18 here, he says, And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So how are we rewarded at the end of our fast? Well, our reward for fasting, and this is pretty ironic, I think, is that we have a new deeper hunger. We got a new thirst for the Lord. Biblical fasting, what it does is it gives us a larger appetite for God. The Puritans, if you know anything about them, they fasted a lot. And they called fasting, and this is great, soul fattening. Isn't that good? Soul fattening. So let me address some practical issues here when it comes to fasting, because fasting has its ups and downs, just like any other spiritual discipline. Um, Let me start with this, key point number three. If you want to fast from food, well, fast from anything. We want to start small and walk slowly. We want to start small. We want to walk slowly. So begin your time of fasting with prayer. Ask the Lord how he wants you to fast. Talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ about fasting. Learn from them. Uh, If you're going to fast from from food, contact your doctor for any health-related issues. And when I say start small, think about baby steps here. So, for example, choose one meal to start with, and then choose which day of the week to fast from that particular meal. So, to begin, you're, you're fasting from one meal per week, not a day, and fast from that one meal per week for the next 40 days. Start small. Walk slowly and drink extra water if you're going to try something like this. After 40 days of doing that, go back to the Lord and ask Him what the next step is. Key point number four, you want to fast prayerfully. We want to fast prayerfully. We want to fast, I'm sorry, we want to pray before, during, and after our fast. Every time your stomach begins to cry out, make some noise, that's a great time to, to pray. You got to train that thing, don't you? It's like a little baby just crying out every two hours for some chicken nuggets. Crazy. Pray, when you pray, pray that the, the Lord Jesus, he's going to honor you with your fasting by uh, allowing you to be drawn closer to him through this process. Keep in mind, guys, fasting, it must center on God. It must be God-initiated. It must be God-ordained. Key point number five, as the Lord Jesus told us, we want to fast secretly. We want to fast secretly. The reasons the the, the Pharisees fasted in public was because they were just addicted to the praise of, of other people. The only people who need to know about your fasting are your spouse and your medical doctor. Nobody else needs to know. Key point number six, fast humbly. Psalm 69.10, I love this. The psalmist writes, I humbled my soul with fasting. So good. Key point number seven, fast creatively. This is where it gets fun. 
right? So for example, if someone has diabetes and you can't fast with food for physical reasons, consider fasting from something else. That dreaded television I'm always talking about. Talk radio, news, social media, right? The list just goes on and any worldly thing. So fasting is a broader issue than just food. So let's broaden our definition here a little bit. Fasting includes abstinence from anything for the sake of a biblical purpose. Fasting includes abstinence from anything for the sake of a biblical purpose. Key point number eight, fasting is a means to an end. Fasting is a means to an end. So in other words, fasting is a way of saying goodbye to the power of possessions, to the power of anything that controls us. So as we go through this process of fasting, it really should lead us to a, a very specific question today. And here it is. Do I love God or do I love God for the earthly comforts and the provisions that he provides? Do I love God because he's God and he gave me life and he saved my wretched soul? Or I just, do I love God because I'm comfortable? Is God my heavenly father or a cosmic genie? Key point number nine, fasting makes us consider what to do with our unhappiness. <laughs> fasting makes us consider what to do with our unhappiness. So on Wednesday nights, we're studying the spiritual disciplines right now within spiritual formation. Richard Foster says this, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside with food and, and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. Anger and bitterness and jealousy and strife and fear... If those things are within us, they're going to surface during fasting. Now, at first, we're going to rationalize that our anger, that's just, that's just due because I'm hungry. Amy says, are you hangry, Dustin? Are you hangry? Yes, most of the time I am. And then we'll realize something. Hmm. Am I more hungry or am I more angry? We'll realize that we're angry because the spirit of anger is within us. It draws that out. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Christ. So what... What Richard Foster is saying there is the healing of anger and the, and the healing of bitterness and jealousy and strife and all this fear that we've all are struggling with now over the past couple of years. God will heal that if we allow him, if we walk in step with him and he'll use fasting, fasting as a means to do that. 
Fasting helps us to keep balance in our life. How easy we begin to allow all these non-essentials to take precedence in our lives. And how quickly we crave the things that we don't need. All these things that enslave us. By the way, Jesus, he's going he's to address that topic next week. Jesus moves to talking about possessions and money. And all the anxiety that comes from our possessions and our money. All these worldly things. So here's a question I would like you to ponder this week before we get there. What is the one thing that you do that you know that God doesn't like but puts up with for now? What's the one thing in your life that you do that you know that God doesn't like but out of His grace... He puts up with that for now. Are you willing to take a few of these principles that we've learned this morning and address that one particular issue and to address it slowly? Deep questions by Dustin, right? Is that a good question? I think it's a great question. So, dear friends, I pray that you would take that question and, and seek the Lord's face this morning and all throughout the rest of the week and see what that one thing is. Many of us go, well, wait a second, I've got like three or four things. <laughs> I know. Start small, walk slowly. One thing, one thing. Father in heaven, you are so good to us. Thank you so much for teaching us your word. Thank you for giving us these, these biblical principles. Thank you for teaching us how fasting came about. Thank you for teaching us what fasting is. And now, Lord God, may we do some business with you this week to see how we can apply these things to our life. Lord, we do love you. We can't thank you enough for, for saving our, our wretched souls and, and giving us your grace through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we do want to walk with you. We do want to, to learn more about you. We do want to experience you this week. And, and Father, we pray that uh, we would be able to hear your, your small, still voice over all the noise of the world, everything that's clamoring for our attention. Father, may we turn those things off this week and, and run into your precious arms. Father, we love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.